Father, we worship your holy name. We lift up the name above all names. And Father, we pray this morning that as we lift you up and as we position ourselves to receive from you this morning, that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, seeing you for the gracious, loving Father that you really are. Lord, that you would open our ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts. Most importantly, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. And so, Father, we come to you and, and we pray with expectation that you would speak into our lives today, God. That you would shine your, your love into the broken places of our lives, of our hearts, and that you would bring restoration and healing and wholeness to us, God. That you would encourage us that you would strengthen us. And during this season where we're preparing to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, that we would take some time to reflect on what this is really all about. It's really all about you dying on the cross, Jesus, to restore humanity back into relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray this morning that this would just not be another service that we come to just to check, check it off of our list. But God, that we would come here with an expectation of encountering you and that we would walk away changed because we have encountered you. And so we pray all these things with expectation in the all-powerful and the almighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Warrior Youth, you're welcome to go back and go back to your classroom. Are you guys loving this weather? Yeah. Oh, man, I tell you, it is wonderful. It's awesome. We're really excited that you're here. Uh, we're continuing in this series from Rejection to Redemption. And this morning's sermon is titled, Rejection Can Happen Quickly. And uh, this Friday is Good Friday, as Pastor Christine mentioned. And we are going to be showing the Passion of the Christ starting at 430 and then at 7 o'clock, we're going to have, from 7 to 8, we'll have uh, Come and Go Communion. And we'll just have the sanctuary open where you can come and just spend some time reflecting on the Lord and then have communion whenever you choose. Um, if you need child care for that service, please call the office and let them know, and we'll provide child care for you as well. This Friday, 4.30, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, 7 o'clock, the Come and Go Communion, and... Uh, if you can, come on Friday at 4.30. I've seen this movie multiple times, but it, it really brings back to reality, and it's a great reminder of what Christ has really done, because I know we talk about it all the time. Well, Christ died on the cross for all of our sins, but when you watch this movie, it just brings it all back, and I know it's a little graphic, and, and if believe me, your kids have seen more graphic stuff than this on their video games and stuff, so don't be concerned about that. Anyway, we have a lot of things going on this week. And, of course, next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Amen. And we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And uh, at 5 to 6 a.m., we're going to be setting up at the Chemo Boardwalk. And uh, so, you know, many, most of you know, I think, that we're a part of the Chemo Boardwalk Sunrise Service that starts at 7.30 a.m. on next Sunday. And then we'll have our regular 10 o'clock service here. So it's going to be a busy day. But... We'll have people showing up about 5 o'clock Sunday, next Sunday morning at the Chemo Boardwalk to help set up. The service begins at 7.30, and uh, then at 9 o'clock, the service should be concluding. 
and then we'll be rushing back here for a 10 o'clock service. So we'd appreciate all the help that we can get, and there's been a lot of people that, that have committed and have already been working, and there have probably been a couple of hundred man hours already put into this event. And let me say this. We talk about our community. We talk about making an impact in our community, and this is a great way for us to reach out to the CEOs, the Christmas and Easter-only crowd, because there are a lot of people that just go to church two times a year on Christmas and Easter. And so we have a great opportunity to pour out into the communities around us, and the Sunrise Service is a great place for that. The last couple of years, we've had probably about 600 people show up each time. So it's a significant outreach event, and uh, we, we really have, have a heart at Life Fellowship for impacting our community and reaching the lost. So this is a great opportunity to do that. So please join us for that. And again, we'll have our regular service at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. And please invite those that don't have a church home to come and join us. If you know people that don't have a church home, please invite them to come. Because we want to love on them and we want to share the love of Christ. And so again, it's a great opportunity. So, let me start in on the sermon this morning. Last week I began this series, From Rejection to Redemption. And I talked about rejection is common to everyone. And if you missed last week's sermon, you can go online and please listen to that. You can get kind of caught up. And this morning, my first point is, when rejected, do we please man or do we please God? You know, rejection is a strong motivator to, to somehow cause us sometimes to maybe compromise or, or change the way that we act, depending on are we going to be rejected by our peers. So about, I, w- I want to go to... Uh, Isaiah 53, but you don't have to turn there. We're going to roll a video that I'm going to show, but I want to give a little bit of background on Isaiah 53. About 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah prophesied it, prophesied regarding the Messiah, Jesus, and Jesus would be rejected. And it's recorded in Isaiah 53, and I, I encourage you to go back and read that sometime this week if you get a chance. Yes, even Jesus, who was perfect, was rejected and suffered rejection. So, How do we handle rejection? Let's watch this video. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried, and it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Amen. So please go back and read Isaiah 53. It describes Jesus and his purpose uh, to die for us. He gave his life as a ransom for all of our sins. He gave, a li- gave his life a ransom for all of us, for all sins. And this Sunday today is known as Palm Sunday. And this event is recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those can be found. We're not going to go there this morning. Here are the references if you want to jot these down. It's Matthew 21, 1-11, Mark 11, 1-11, Luke 19, 
28 through 44, and then John 12, 12 through 19. And so you can go back in any of those Gospels or all those Gospels and read about this event where Jesus rode in to Jerusalem. This morning's scriptures, we're going to be going to Mark chapter 11, verse 4 through 10, and Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Now, uh, before we get into Mark chapter 11, I want to give a little bit of background. Jesus, because I'm not going to read all of this passage, I'm just going to uh, hit on a certain part, but the background is Jesus tells his disciples to go to a village and bring him a donkey colt that is tied up. And then he tells them, if anyone asks what you're doing, just say the Lord is in need and, and we'll return it soon. So let's catch up here in Mark chapter 11, verse 4. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street tied outside the front door. Verse 5. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying this colt? And they said, in verse 6, they said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Now, what's interesting is Jesus has told them basically what's going to happen. Now, what if you saw someone taking your neighbor's car? They, they got in the car, and they were getting ready to drive off. You go, hey, hey, what are you doing? Oh, well, the Lord is in need of it. So, and they're like, okay. So I think that's pretty amazing that, uh, that they're like, oh, okay. But Jesus told them what was going to happen. And he said, this is what you need to say. You know, the Holy Spirit is so good about letting us know. The Word says that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth and tell us of things to come. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will prompt us and give us what we need knowing that we're about to come into a situation or something like that. And that's exa exactly what Jesus did. So Jesus tells them where to find the colt and even what to say when they're asked about taking it. Verse 7, Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Mark eleven eight. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches that had been cut in the fields. Verse 9, Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! In other words, they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means praise God. Praise God. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 10, blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heaven. Here Jesus is in the, the center of this crowd of people. Are they whispering? Praise God. Are they just talking? Are they singing? They're shouting, praise God. Amen. Can you imagine what that would be? I didn't want to blow your ears out. Can you imagine what that would be like? Imagine this, that, that you're in a crowd and Jesus is in the midst of you. And, and he's riding on his donkey. In fact, I want to do something. I want all of us to shout, okay? Just, just follow my lead here. Praise God. Praise God! Come on, you can do better than that. Imagine that the Texans are pouring a touchdown. Uh, 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 praise God! Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what it would have been like. They were excited. They were like, praise God! And you know, it wasn't too many hours after this that the religious leaders, they've been kind of plotting all along, but they're really ticked now. And they're plotting his death. 
They're pl plotting how they can murder him. You know, something's just wrong with that picture. I mean, it's bad enough that uh, a dirty cop will steal drugs or drug money or something like that. But here are the religious leaders plotting a death. One, of an innocent man. And secondly, they, they miss that he's the Messiah. But even the fact that they're plotting his death, there's something wrong with that, people. <laughs> For anyone, but especially the religious leaders. And so they're praising God, and it's really upsetting the religious leaders. He, he goes on to say in verse 10, Blessings on the coming, they say, blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heaven. They knew the Messiah. They knew the, the Savior would be a descendant of King David. And it was reasonable that they were expecting the Messiah to liberate them from the oppressive Roman government. I mean, that's, that's reasonable. We probably would have been thinking the same thing. And they knew that he was a descendant of David. And uh, we know that uh, David's son Solomon was the richest and wisest man that ever lived. But David was very wealthy. And when you look at the, the kingdom of Israel back then, I mean, it was self-sustaining. They were powerful. They were independent. They were not under oppressive rule. And so it's probably very plausible that they were thinking that the Messiah is going to come and we're going to be delivered from the Roman oppression. But, you know, Jesus had something greater in mind. God had something greater than them becoming a free nation and then it, them experiencing the, the wealth and the strength that they had experienced before. They didn't understand that Jesus didn't come to build Israel the kingdom. He came to build God's kingdom, something much greater, not to build an earthly dynasty, but to populate God's kingdom. A kingdom is a country, a state, or a territory ruled by a king. And for a short time here, we see that they recognized him as the coming king. Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And so they're, they're seeing that for a short moment. And they're seeing him as king. But they had missed the kingdom that he came to build. Do you ever recognize God's power and authority in your life and then forget it? Maybe you're going through something, maybe on Sunday morning in worship, you're caught up in the presence of God, and, or, or maybe God is speaking to you throughout the week, or maybe you, you see God do something amazing, and you're like, oh, praise God. God, I know you're for me. I see you doing this work. And then, and, and then we get into a little jam, and we begin to worry, and we forget what we had just seen. All of us, that happens to all of us, I think. I know what happens to me. But do you ever get so caught up in building your kingdom that you forget about building his kingdom? Is your motivation to please man so you are not rejected? Think about the times where you've maybe compromised or you've been tempted to compromise because, oh, what are they going to think? Or what, what if I pray? At the dinner table, what are, you know, at the restaurant, what are those people going to think? Or what if I share the gospel of Christ? Will, will I be rejected? But when you're prompted by the Holy Spirit, we need to obey. And we need to be less concerned about what man thinks and more concerned about what our Heavenly Father thinks. Are you willing to follow God's plan even if it means being rejected by man? My first point this morning, when, re when rejected, do we please man or God? 
I believe that it's it's highly probable that Jesus could have built a powerfully earthly kingdom. The Romans could have been overthrown. Israel could have been set free. Jesus came to restore them. He didn't come to release them from the oppression. He came for something much greater. Jesus came to restore them. Jesus came to restore us into relationship with God our Father. Jesus said, your will be done. And a few pages over in Mark on uh, chapter 14, verse 36, Jesus is talking, he's praying in the garden, and he's saying, Abba, Father, Daddy, 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 Father, Abba, Father. He cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. What is the cry of your heart? Are we yielding our life to God? Are we saying, not my will, but your, your will, Lord? Jesus would suffer and experience all the pain that you and I would. He was fully God and fully man. Listen, when they were driving those nails and spikes into his flesh, he was feeling the pain. He was not, not immune to that. He was feeling everything that you and I would. And then on top of that, not only being crucified, but he was taking on the entire sin for all of us, for the entire world. Jesus felt everything that we feel. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. My first point, when rejected, do we please man or God? My second point is, how do others' opinion impact us? I can think back in my life where, uh, especially a number of years ago, where I compromised my walk because, you know, what, what will they think? So Jesus said, your will be done, Father, not mine. On Palm Sunday, the atmosphere was very, very different than it was just a few days later as he hung on a cross. They were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, praise God, blessings to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And a few days later, they're, they're yelling, crucify him, kill him, hang him on a cross. Do you ever compromise for the favor of man, a boss, a co-worker? Why would anyone compromise? I was thinking about this through the week. I was thinking, why do people compromise? I think it's mostly because they're concerned about the, the impact or the opinion of others. That's why most people compromise. How do you think Jesus felt being rejected? Peter, I'll, I'll die for you. Well, the truth is, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the morning. I don't even know that man. I don't know who that guy is. And Jesus looks at him. How do you think Jesus felt being rejected by his closest friends, the people that he had poured into and he had shared life with and, and loved? What about when the, when the crowds turned against him? Jesus is coming to say them, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What kind of love do we have toward people that reject us? And you may be you know, maybe you've heard or you may be thinking, well, Jesus had no emotions. I mean, that, he was God. Really? Are we made in God's image? Yes. Do we have emotions? Yes. <laughs> in Luke 19.41, uh, this starts a passage of Scripture. I'm not going to read it, but I'm just going to talk about it for a couple of minutes. 
Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, not necessarily for the city, but for the people. And he knew that there would come a time shortly when their enemies would crush them because they did not accept their opportunity for salvation. Jesus was and is their salvation. Jesus had emotions. Jesus was passionate about people. As he looked down on Jerusalem, he began to weep for the people because he knew there was coming a time when they would be crushed and when they would be overtaken and, and taken into captivity. In John 11, 33-45, Jesus wept when he was touched as he watched Mary and the others weeping over the death of Lazarus. He was touched. He wept. The shortest scripture in the Bible, Jesus wept. There's a lot there. He was passionate. He had emotions. He felt the same things that we did. And what did he do next? Even though he was so touched by that, he raised him from the dead. But still, even seeing the hurt and the woundedness of the people that love Lazarus touched him deeply. So when we're going through something, we serve a God that, that is passionate about our, our wants and needs and our hurts. And he so desperately wants to pour into our life and help us and encourage us and strengthen us. God is not some man up there on a throne with a white beard casting down lightning bolts. God is a God that cares for you, that sent his one and only son to die for us, that we may have eternal life and walk in the fullness of life. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Verse 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So Jesus has gone through, there's nothing you can go through that he hasn't gone through. He's been tested, he's been try, tried, and, and he's suffered rejection. Just go back and read Isaiah 53 and, and read about the, uh, the crucifixion of Christ, rejected. He's gone through everything that we have or will ever go through, except he came out without sin. He did not sin. That's why it's important we talk about it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He's deeply passionate about that. And, and so when you come to Life Fellowship, you know that our mission is to develop, maintain, and model what? Personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And so everything that we do is to have a greater understanding of his great love and know that he is for us. And that whatever we're going through, whatever challenges we're going through, he is there for us and he will help us. And, and he said, I send the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into all truth. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Amen. When you need some mercy and grace and help. What does it say? Come boldly. Lord Jesus, I need some help right now. God, I need some help in my marriage. 
God, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really frustrated and I want to pull into that liquor store and buy a fifth of whiskey. Whatever it may be, we can come boldly to the throne of grace yeah. when we need His help, when we need it the most. Call on Him. He's there to help us. And, and He will. But we need to call on Him. We need to understand that God is for us. He's not against us. God loves you. God wants to see you walk in the fullness of life. Not only us, but all 600 people down at the chemo boardwalk next Sunday. He wants to see people understand and find the truth of God, the hope of God, that they can walk in the fullness of life, that they can receive salvation, that they, they understand that their relationship with God is not based on performance, that it's based on God's grace. And God's grace and healing can heal the rejection. I don't think there's anyone in this building that has not suffered rejection. And as I talked about last week, that has driven people to do all kinds of crazy things where they've lived life of addictive behaviors and things like that because of rejection. Because of things that have been told to them that do not line up with the Word of God. So rejection can cause us to do all kinds of crazy things. But Jesus can bring health and healing and wholeness. That's why it's so vital to plug into the local church and get the Word of God to be filled up with the things of God. That's why we have Bible studies so we can understand the things of God, the Word of God, so that we can be built up. So that we can understand, no, I'm not a loser. No, I'm not those things that my dad said about me or he said about me or my boss says about me. I'm God's prized possession and I'm of great value. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're of great value to God. Say it again. Listen, when we get that, when we really understand that, we're going to walk a little more confident. And when we have a challenge, what are we going to do? We're going to go boldly to the throne of grace and present our petitions to God. And say, God, I know that, that I'm your, of all creation, James 1.18, of all of creation, I'm your prized possession, but I'm struggling right now. So God, I need your help. I need you to lead me and guide me and help me through this. And he is willing and able. I believe Jesus could have caved into the desires of the people that set them free. Remember when Satan had this conversation with him? He said, I'll give it to you all. And what did Jesus do? He answered him every time with the word of God. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus came. He used the word of God to defeat the enemy, and he did not cave in. He did not cave in. So I believe that that uh, Jesus could have caved into the desires of the people and set them free. Well, well, why, you know, why didn't he do that? Didn't he love them? Didn't he see the oppression that they were under? But you know what? He didn't let his emotions drive him. He said, I'm going to do the will of the Father, not my will, but your will be done. He knew that there was a greater purpose to restore all of humanity back to him, to bring us back into that relationship that was severed in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed and sin then entered into all of humanity. And he says, I've come to fix this. I've come to restore all of humanity back into relationship with God. 
And there's only one thing that they have to do. That's just receive it. Just believe it and receive it. I've done it all. I'm going to the cross. My blood is the covenant that God will make with them. A covenant that God makes with us. And we talk about it the first Sunday of every month when we have communion. We talk about the blood is the covenant that God has made with us. So he didn't set them free from the oppression of the Roman government because he knew there was a bigger plan. So my first point this morning is when rejected, do we please man or do we please God? My second point is how do others' opinions impact us? My third point, are you secure in your relationship with God? Jesus was. Even though he knew what he was about to go through, it says that he was sweating drops of blood. They say that that can happen when people are under intense pressure. He knew what he was about to go through. But he also knew what he was called to do. And he knew that he had to obey. And he did. He was secure in his relationship with his Heavenly Father. You know, and I think that really comes down to trust. Do you trust God? Are you willing to obey Him because you trust Him? And trust is something that is built over time. And so as we develop in our relationship with the Lord, and as we begin to trust Him, because God doesn't always tell us the logical, reasonable things to do. I mean, I know in my life, I, I'm like, God, that doesn't make any sense. Start a church in Kima. You probably have 50 churches here already. Why do you need another church? We obey. And so when we obey what God tells us to do, God begins to pour through our life in a powerful way. God begins to work through our life. God begins to use our life in a powerful way as we just yield our life to him and obey. Jesus obeyed. He stayed the course even when being rejected by his closest friends and loved ones. Are you that tethered to God? You know, I remember when Christine and I, she gave her life to the Lord, and, and I rededicated my life to the Lord. We were partying every weekend, and then we began to grow in the Lord, and you know what? We lost all of our friends. That was probably the best thing that happened to us. We lost all of our friends. And it was really hurtful for us. But you know what? God was always there. It was Mark and Christine and God. And God began to do some things in our life, and he began to connect us with really, really awesome people, really godly people that would help mentor us and, and walk us through life and, and help us to grow. And so are we that tethered to God that we trust him? Is your relationship deep? Is it intimate? Do you have an intimate relationship with the Lord or is it superficial? Is it deep on Sunday and non-existent on Monday morning? Come on, what are we called to do? We're called to live it. Live what we say we believe. And so as we get filled with the things of God, and as, as we understand that rejection will happen, so what? Don't worry about it. If we're pleasing our Heavenly Father, that's what really matters. And through that process, many times God will use our situations to reach out to other people. Do you have an intimate relationship with Jesus? Or is it casual? You know what? Jesus was not casual about his relationship with us. Jesus came to save us. He isn't casual about this relationship, are you? The Lord can heal your wounds and scars. He can reach into the deep, wounded places of your hearts and bring health and healing. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes.
If you're here this morning and God is speaking to your heart, you know it. If you had a relationship with the Lord at one point in time and you've walked away, or maybe you've never had a relationship with the Lord, and He's speaking to your heart this morning, would you simply respond by raising your hand? I just want to pray with you. There is no shame in that. God wants to bring health and healing and wholeness to your life. And I know there are some people in here that have been uh, seriously rejected. And God wants to, to bring healing to those areas of your life. You may be a, have been rejected by man, by your dad, by someone you love, but God will never reject you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And we can come boldly to his throne of grace and present our petitions to him. Anybody here this, this morning? Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your great love for us that goes beyond any rejection we've ever experienced, that goes beyond uh, what we've been told by others or maybe even by ourselves. Maybe we've even had a lot of negative self-talk and, and put ourselves down. But Lord God, you love us. You care about us. You care for us. And so, Father, I thank you that your love goes beyond the scars and the rejections, disobedience and things that we've done. So, Father, I thank you for touching our lives. I thank you for bringing healing and wholeness to us. And pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name. for the celebration of resurrection. Take some time to go back and read in the Bible. Go back and read Isaiah 53. You know, it, it would appear that Jesus was rejected for his sin. But, you know, they missed it. They missed the, the whole point of Jesus coming. He came to die for our sins. And uh, Good Friday is good because because of what Christ did on the cross, we have hope. We have forgiveness. We've been brought back into relationship. But on Sunday, on Sunday, he rose again. And so that's what we're celebrating. So let's be sober-minded during this time. And we, we look to the end goal, which is Christ rose again. We also look to the, the fact that he died for our sins. If you can come on Friday at 4.30, we'd love to have you. If not, for the movie, for communion. Go out and make a difference in your world. There are people that need to know this message. There are people that have struggling with all kinds of things. Rejection is just one of the myriad of things that people struggle with. And you have the hope of Christ in you. God will place people across your path. Be looking for those opportunities to share the hope of Christ. Because I promise you, they need it. I love you so very much. Thank you for being here this morning. Go out and make a difference in your world. Go out and live it. Thank you for joining us.